I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. The So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up patreon.com slash smdb i'd love to have you patreon.com slash smdb on with the show oh mm-hmm. uh yeah nice yep all right mm-hmm. uh anyway so many so many so many damn books hey hey welcome to uh our podcast one of the very few podcasts of two uh, mid-twenties white guys talking to each other. <laughs> we talk about books, though. Oh, yeah. So we're super different. Yep. Uh, anyway, I'm Drew. I am Christopher. This is so many damn books. And uh, let's see. We can't really get much further before we talk about the Man Booker long list. Yeah. Shall uh, I read it out loud or should we just... You know what? Why not? Okay. So Bill Clegg, Agent to the Stars. Yep. Um... Uh, did you ever have a family? I don't think you're allowed to be super, super popular like he is. Like, he, like sell books for millions of dollars and also <laughs> be an excellent author. I don't yeah. think that's allowed. You know, it's the drugs thing, though. Well, yeah, he did the drugs. But so that, you know, it gives him... It's the, it's are, the are you advocating for heroin addiction no. right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird... It's a weird stance, Drew. <laughs> it's not one that I can get behind. Are we not doing that <laughs> thing where I take and then we have to argue about it? No. Oh. Mm-mm. I mean, I guess we are. What's next <laughs> on the list? <laughs> uh, Anne Enright, uh, The Green Road. Uh, Marlon James, A Brief History of Seven Killings. Which Been there, done that. Read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I personally think has, I think, the best chance of winning. Uh, but we'll see. And then, uh, let's see, uh, Layla Lalami, The Moore's Account. I've heard very good things about that. So Tom McCarthy, Satin Island. Yeah, sure. Uh, Chagosi Obioma, The Fisherman. Another book that I've heard. Heard good things. At the end of uh, the tournament, people were talking about it. Yeah. Um, Andrew O'Hannigan, The Illuminations. Marilyn Robinson, Lila, which is the end of her trilogy. Yeah, with Gilead. Yeah. yeah. I haven't read any of her trilogy. Have you read any of it? No, Gilead feels like one of those books that now that we've both said that, people are going to be screaming about the fact that we haven't read it. Yeah, our many listeners yep. s- screaming. Will Chancellor will be screaming at us. Yeah, well, he will be. Um, We need to lis- read those. Maybe we do an episode about Gilead or Put all three or something. Yeah. Um, Anuradha Roy for Sleeping on Jupiter good title yeah know nothing about it um hope it has to do with jupiter sanjeev sahoda the year of the runaways um anna smell the chimes i'm probably really butchering these oh uh, well 
you're giving it your best college <laughs> try. And Ann Tyler, a spool of blue thread. And finally, Hanya Yanagahara, a little life. Which, my God, Drew. Yeah, okay. Will you just read the, everyone Said has told you to read it? I told you to read it. Now the Booker Prize <laughs> list. <laughs> I, okay, let's talk about this what, for a minute. Though, yeah, what is the deal? Why I, are you so against reading a really good book that everyone loves? Uh, because I... You hate books about college fiction, <laughs> college, <laughs> collegiate um No, everything about it, everything about it other than, uh, I don't know, I guess the depictions of brutality. Right. Right up my alley. I just, I had such a visceral negative reaction to her first book. And somebody recently... The People in the Trees is her first novel. And I understand it's a difficult... Uh, it is a difficult book. Well, somebody recently told me, who also hated the first book, that they absolutely loved this. And that, like, I just... And so, yes, the other thing is that it's, you know, man, it's been summertime. Oh, that's I don't true. I don't want to tote around a big, depressing... You know, wait for September, November, Christmas break. Right, the week Christmas, before the tournament the next year. <laughs> Christmas is definitely the time <laughs> to read a book about four friends torn about apart by brutality. I mean, they're not really torn apart, but but so here's the thing, though. With uh, this, feels to me like the odds-on favorite for the Booker, just you because. And honestly, and for the Pulitzer, more than uh, Marlon. Yeah, I mean, part of it maybe it's just because the Marlon James book came out last year, and so it feels like, uh, you know, okay. And yeah, it's the sort of thing that the Booker people love, but people were divided about that book, whereas everybody loves A Little Life. Yeah. Well, I just think for the Booker crowd, though, it's such a depiction of American life. Uh, but also, you know, that's the, the Booker opened themselves up to yeah. this. And I don't know. It feels weird to have five U.S. authors on this, what used to be a very interesting international list. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's less interesting because the United States is on there. It's just, I feel like all five of those books are going to be on all of the lists for like the National Book Awards, yep. the Pulitzer, the National Book Critics Circle Award. And I just liked the fact that if you looked at the Man Booker Prize, it was always something you probably never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to seem nationalistic not for any particular <laughs> nation, but just like the idea of nationalism. Um, no one wants to accuse you of nationalism, Drew. Thank you. So uh, there's something cool about having the Booker Prize be the Commonwealth, the Pulitzer mm. being America, even with something like the Baileys, formerly the Orange Prize, where it's like you know that it is going to be women's fiction mm -hmm. or fiction written by women. Like you can, if you read five books a year, you know that you can pick up those and get a, a diverse breadth of the world. I mean, at least the English-speaking Western world. But, mm -hmm. you know, you're not... I don't know. There was something cool about it. And now if everything just blends together, it gets... It gets... It gets boring. Well, next up is a new... Wait, no! Oh. What'd you buy? What'd you buy? See, that's the thing. We need songs. Yeah, we do need songs. All right, we'll have songs. Um, so I bought a few things. So um, this is so I bought Alice and Frida Forever, A Murder in Memphis by Alexis Coe. And it's a nonfiction book. It's really short. 
but it's about a sort of interesting female friendship that resulted in murder mm. in the 1800s. And uh, so Lena Dunham start, uh, started with a friend of hers, Jenny Connor, um, this thing called Lenny Letter, which is like a feminist newsletter that's going to start coming out in oh, cool. September, I think. And uh, one of the things they're doing on their Instagram is every Thursday they're doing book choices. Nice. And so this was chosen with uh, The Life and Death of Sophie Stark mm. uh, by Anna North. But this I'm very excited to read. And I also bought uh, Gold Fame Citrus by Claire Vey Watkins because um, I loved Battleborn, her story collection. Yeah. And I, I'm just I'm very excited to read a novel by her. Um, I haven't read Battleborn, but I'm also just very excited about Gold Fame Citrus. I, it's interesting. It sounds, it sounds super similar to California by Eden Lepucky. Yeah, only so with, a, with, a, with a drought, which right. feels... Far more timely mm-hmm. than, than, um, than it has any right to be. Right. What about you, Drew? What did you buy? Um, I picked up a small novel from Two Dollar Radio called The Absolution of Roberto Assestes Lang by Nicholas Rombes. Mm-hmm. It's about it seem it strikes the the it feels very similar to sort of what happens towards the end of night film with um. Cordova and these Cordova is a filmmaker, but Lang is a film historian mm-hmm. who had all of these like single prints of films by guys like David Lynch and um, Jarodowski and he burned them. And this reporter tracks him down and is talking to him. And the guy is recounting these like very strange, weird films. Um, it sounds interesting. It looks super short, but of which he's the only person who's ever yeah seen them. Ooh. It seems very much up my alley. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it it feels like it's going to be like a weekend read. I'm excited about it. Um, and then the other thing is not something that I bought, but it was given to me a uh, collection of short stories by Charles Baxter called A Relative Stranger. Oh yeah. Uh, my only introduction to Baxter was at the Chuck Palahniuk book launch with Selected Shorts a while back. And he had somebody read one of his stories that is one of just the most perfect short stories I've ever read called Through... Um, oh, goodness. I don't remember what it's called. Anyway, one of the most perfect short stories that I've ever read. Uh, so if I'm excited. You have, if you ever uh, want to... If you figure it out, we're going to put it up on the website, so many damn books.com. Yeah. That's uh, something to look for on the website. Yeah. You know, that Anna... Through the escape net. Nope, that's not right. <laughs> Something like that, though. Uh, Charles Baxter, he wrote that um, book, Burning Down the House, which is essays oh. on writing fiction. Yeah. Which is sort of, I kind of think of, even reading one of those books makes you a better writer. One of those essays makes you a better writer. Nice. So reading the whole book, <laughs> he, I, um, I haven't read the whole book because I'm not ready to become... <laughs> that uh, good of a writer? Yeah. Um. Uh, so now, is it now time? Sure. Okay, so the new we have a new segment where we ask each other questions about reading because we talk about reading a lot. Not even not even just on the podcast or uh, in life. Sometimes it's G chat. Sometimes it's texting. Yeah, and it's just uh, we just want to bring in a new segment because segments are fun, and it's called insert music cue. No, I was. Oh. I thought we could like say it together. And oh, all right. No, it's no, it's over. I thought well, because if you're gonna have no, the. It's, it's just... Yo, what did you read? And where-
Okay, so the first question of reading comprehension is, uh, what is the last book you chose to read uh, to cheer yourself up? I think that would be uh, Gail Carriger's new series, The Finishing School series. Oh, yeah. She writes those uh, sort of steampunk. Yeah. Uh, steampunk fantasy. But Thanks. it's just like they're reliably fun and entertaining. Um, this first book is called Etiquette and Espionage. Mm-hmm. And. Gotta love alliteration. Yeah. The all the books in this series like waistcoats and weaponry, etiquette and espionage, uh, curtsies and conspiracies. I don't remember what the fourth one is, but yeah, that it. That's the last book I read where I was sitting there. I was kind of like, oh, I'm not in a good mood. I had read a couple of very serious books, and I, she's just somebody who reliably. I was like, I will have a blast, mm-hmm. and I did. Mm. I'm glad it worked. Yeah, it doesn't always work. No, it doesn't. It's nice when you can find an author who reliably, you know, like even if it is a second tier book by that author, you can go in and just be like, I'm going to enjoy this because I am that I rely on this author that much. Right. Yeah. You know, for me, it's 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 too much to ask for a new book to put me in a good mood, mm-hmm. um, like a reliable one, because like if you if I chose to read, I don't know, like the new glenn david gold book and it turned out to not be great right um it was not as good as carter beats the devil right it'd be really sad uh so i i turned to stuff i read and loved as a kid like uh oh. recently i i was saddish and i uh i decided to pick up fudge mania again by judy bloom yeah and uh it's so funny i don't know why i was so attached to this book as a kid, because it's nothing that I know. It's about like New Yorkers going on a main vacation, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know why. I mean, it speaks to Judy Bloom's ability to write that mm-hmm. I was, I thought that this was something that I understood very well. <laughs> and now reading it and, 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 and thinking about it, it's a completely different sort of reading experience, but it definitely cheered me up to reread and also kind of think about how I was so attached to the book as a kid. Yeah. And now I'm reading it. A.A. A. Milne is another reliably will will bring my mood back up, even if I'm just reading one of the poems from Now We Are Six. Yeah. There's something there's something nice about the books that you read when you were a kid. Um it can be dangerous sometimes. I've gone back to things and yeah. just found them not that they, they don't hold up to my memory at all. But if mm-hmm. there are ones that you know that you can go back to. Totally. I feel like Terry Pratchett might actually be that way for me. Mm-hmm. If I picked up any of those old Discworld books, it's I think I would be, still uh, have a ball. It's going to be sad to read the last one. <sighs> Man. We should do that on the show. Probably. Yeah. I'm going to cry the whole time. <laughs> you, I'll just put a track of you crying. <laughs> just faintly in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of crying. Uh-huh. My question for you, do you ever get tired of reading? <laughs> that's a dangerous question for our show <laughs> drew um well as you know in my day job i read yes books indeed uh and my free time i obviously spend reading and i also now have this podcast with you where i read and i also read my friend's work and write and read what i've written 
So that's a lot of different ways to be drowning in words. Yeah. I can happily tell you, no, I have not gotten tired of it. But mm. so there are there are times where I'm worried for that foot to drop because it it's everything that my life is built upon. Yeah. So like if I do become tired of reading, it's going to take a lot of stuff down. Right. And like I I probably have had like a, a low level like a like an you know, like a fever you don't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Um feeling of not wanting to read, but I think that's more about not wanting to sit down and look at something mm. and wanting to like be out in the world or watching something move rather than static words on a page and not so much about being tired of reading. What I about you? That's actually a really good way to put it, I think. Because when I came up with the question, I feel that thing that you were just talking about, that low-level fever that you don't do anything about. I've felt that before. Um, earlier this summer when I picked up that Gail Carriger book, it was, the, it was that thing of like, they're sort of tied together. Um, yeah, and I just, I like looked at my to-read stack and I was like, Ugh. like I just don't want to do any of this right now. But it's largely, it's not actually tired of the thing and then guilt about feeling tired of your to read list because like i bought all these (laughs) and i should want to read them and if i don't start reading them i'm going to buy more books yeah that is one thing that i sometimes do if i'm if i'm in that sort of like yeah i will just go out and buy something new and be like hey look it's fresh and that sometimes is enough to (laughs) just probably how i ended up with like 150 books on my floor but yeah, I don't even I don't even want to count again. Yeah. Talk about a way to get depressed about reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know, I don't know. Um the great thing about being tired of reading is you can just put the book down. Yeah. And go do something else. And inevitably, because it's so tied into how I relax and how I fall asleep and how I work and make money, <laughs> um, I will have to read again. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's totally fine to say I'm gonna put down a book and go and spin around in circles until I fall over. <laughs> it's nice because it, words will always be there. Yeah, they will. Books don't disappear. Yep. Uh, yep. Unless they're digital books and Amazon can just pull them off your Kindle like they did with 1984. Yeah. The irony. And this has been reading, reading comprehension. comprehension. Hey, we did it that time. <laughs> Uh, the weird thing about that segment is most of our <laughs> most of our segments are as- asking each other questions about reading. Yeah. But I like that I like to arbitrarily put themes in. I sure. think is really what this is about. I think it's a good idea. Um, but I kind of wonder, uh, do you read? This is a reading comprehension question, but I'm just going to ask it outside of the segment. Whoa. Yeah. No, it's getting crazy. Um, but do you read stuff like I? These are my summer reading books. Like I'm putting this aside. I will read that in June. Um, I mean, I certainly do that in October. Anybody well, yeah. who knows me, I like arbitrarily, even if I'm not done a book, I stop October 1st to whenever I finish the last book coming out of, uh-huh. it's like, it's all scary books. And but stuff I don't like know. That, there's a, there's that thing of summer reading. Like, yeah. Like, uh, people read their, you know, that's when they f- read their Stephen King. That's why I think mm-hmm. that Stephen King book came out during the summer. Yeah. Uh, there was even we uh there's this author Gerard de Villiers uh in France who used to have a book a longer book that came out in summer 
uh, because he knew that the French people like to have a vacation read. <laughs> uh, he wrote these spy novels, of which there's like 200 of them. Nice. Um, but I mean, kind of. Like I have, I have a little stack of things that I know are a little, a little frothier. They don't necessarily require as you, much. Did you read something summary this year? Like that was. Oddly enough, this summer, um, has not been as summer reading as I want it to be. I'm trying to make August into that. I mean, I was on vacation and I read a you know a China Mieville novel, which was big and it was fun and it was exactly what i wanted to read not having anything else to do is that summer reading i don't know it's it but the thing is like that's an anytime read my summer reading i haven't gotten to yet let me put it that way okay so what do you have what do you have planned for this summer um i'm gonna read colson whitehead's sag harbor Ooh, that is a summer read it's about summer i love colson's work and that just feels perfect to me um (laughs) you're on a first name basis (laughs) i wish i was he's so cool i know uh, I'm going to read Eliza Kennedy's I Take You, which it seems goofy and frothy and silly, but uh, Gary Steingart gave it a great blurb. I mean, he gives everything <laughs> a great blurb. Um, I don't know, but it looks like one of those things that like I can sit down in the sun in the park and read it and not have to really think about it. Right. How about you? You know, I... Uh I kind of I kind of do the opposite. Yeah. Where I kind of decide I'm going to read like something difficult. Um and I think that cu- is coming up I'm going to read Anna Karenina. Whoa. Um I can't decide how I'm going to do it just yet because it's broken up into 10 books. Yeah. And so I might in order to not quit it <laughs> read like <laughs> um one book and then something else and then another book and then something else. Oh, treat seri- it like ten novellas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I haven't quite gotten to that yet. Um, I read this one book, which uh, I I love. I love campus novels. Mm-hmm. So if I can find a campus novel, I will read it, whatever it is. And so I read Black Chalk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> by Christopher Yates. Yates. And that was fun enough um and summary. But then That is a good summer read. Uh, but then it, it is. Yeah, I will agree with that. Um but then I read this book by um Pamela Arens, E R E N S, The Virgins. Oh, I've seen that. Which is one of the strangest novels. It's um it's written by it's like the voice is a guy on the outside of the campus relationship that everyone's watching mm. and he's just imagining it. Um, Weird. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those books where when I'm reading it on the subway, I'm like closing it a little bit. Cause it's, there's so much teenage sex in this book. <laughs> um, and but it's it's sort of an interesting depiction of it because it's someone remembering how different that is for a teenager versus or not like someone who's first discovering it toward then like an adult um and it's really like psychological and almost it's almost a thriller but it's interesting not. yeah cool yeah and i mean i think that kind of nicely dovetails right into uh recommendations Yeah.
which I feel like I just recommended The Virgins, but I'm going to recommend something else. What are you going to recommend? Um, I'm going to decide right now. Well, I had something and then and then I'm going to I'm going to say something we can both agree on. Yeah. Uh which is required reading. If you listen to our podcast, read Between the World and Me. Yes, Tanahasi Coates' book is it's required reading. It's required reading. Yeah. It, it's to be a citizen of the world. It's not a it's not pleasant reading. It's not summer reading. No. But it is it is relatively quick. It's only like 150 pages and it's important. It's a testimonial of what it is like to be black in America today. Yeah. And it not many books I can I promise they will change your mind or make you think differently and this one will. Yeah. That's my that's my big big recommendation. Yeah. And uh, you're the one who r- told me to read it first. So Oh good. Yeah. Oh cool. Um yeah man that oh, that book. Yeah. It's like it's existential philosophy mm-hmm. and immediate present tense cultural critique mm-hmm. it, it, and everything in between it's just uh it's important to read the things that are really thoughtful about our current way of living yeah i agree all right but so your your individual recommendation yeah well i kind of talked about it before um uh my girlfriend Kirsten told me to read um, "The Life and Death of Sophie Stark" by Anna North, and it's one of these uh, books told in uh, like many voices, mm-hmm. and it follows a filmmaker from when she started making films to uh, her final film. Obviously, she dies because it's in the title. Yeah, I was, I sort of put it in that interesting realm of trying to figure out a genius. And are they a genius? Like, what made them a genius? Hmm. Uh, that sort of, I felt like Marisha Pessel was getting into in Night Film. Oh, cool. But it's getting on a different level of all the people that knew Sophie Stark are ta- talking about her. And it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like the equivalent of reading a Behind the Music. Hmm. Um, but it's also a little deeper than that. And I think it is really just excellent summer reading. And if you live in Brooklyn, there's a lot of like Crown Heights and Prospect Heights mentions, cool. which is awesome. You? Uh, what I do you recommend, Drew? I'm going to recommend a book that you uh, have been recommending to me for a while. Me? Yes, that I finally read um, and and found it absolutely delightful. It's it's just out. Uh, it's called Kitchens of the Great Midwest. Oh, yeah. J. Ryan Stradle. Um it's again it's a novel kind of in voices it's it's each chapter is sort of a short story from the point of view of a different person mm-hmm. um following a young girl as she grows into um middle age really and she becomes this world renowned chef she has a quote unquote once in a lifetime palate mm-hmm and each story it deals with a different food and a different course and sort of takes you, it builds a meal and a family, not a blood-related family, but it just, it the way that the novel builds 
is beautiful. There are actual recipes in the book, right. which I'm very excited to attempt some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those books that, you know, you said it to me and I was like, oh, okay, this sounds interesting, whatever. I picked it up and I did not put it down until I finished it. Did you devour it? Man, I was really trying to stay away <laughs> from that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you know, one of us has to go there. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um, That's it for now. I'll save everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I don't know if we say this enough, Drew, but there are just so many damn books. You know, you made so <laughs> much fun of me for putting that into the show. Man. Thanks, everyone. Whatever. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> New kids on the block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer. For the summer. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I take her if I have one wish. But she's been gone since that summer. Since yeah. that summer. Cherry pants, cold crush, rock stud boogie. Used to hate school, so I had to play hooky. Always been hip to the B-boy style. Known to act.